I'm sorry. What? He was talking about the best pizza with somebody else. And I wasn't going to interrupt the man just because he was Eric Estrada. But my stupid ass interrupted him. Excuse me. Did you say New York pizza? Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. I'm very excited about next Saturday. I'm very excited about right now, Emily. Geez, live in the moment. Oh, sorry. I'm excited. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just being selfish. I'm like, I'm excited that I get to see you and lay face down in your presence. You know what I'm saying? You need to explain to the audience what you're talking about. Oh, I'm so sorry. My Mother's Day present from my husband is a tattoo with joy and it's a tattoo that I've been I mean I've been banging on about getting this from you like as long as I've known you I was just gonna say I think for maybe three years or more (laughs) possibly started talking about it before we even met when we were just friends on the internet uh, before I threw myself into your life where, and you had zero option as to whether you actually wanted to make the conscious decision to be friends with me or not. Like, well, I guess I'm friends with her now. Yeah, I just kind of show up with coffee. I'm like, hey, welcome. It was You're like my a friend proof now. of glitter and coffee and then something about a tattoo and we're friends now, got to go by. And then there That's was it. another poof, smoky, glittery cloud and That's she it. was gone. So a little bit of history, my, I'm, I'm half American, my mom's American and actually from California and my grandfather was, a, he was a great guy um, and he was an engineer and he was part of the team with Lockheed that designed the heat uh, shield tiles for the space shuttle Columbia. So and cool. Fuck, right? Which so for, cool. for me to see that also then carried on in the subsequent shuttles, of course, the, mm-hmm. the, the would orbit and return in one piece, essentially. So being able to go and see the Endeavor and stand underneath it and look up and see, see something that was, he had a part, like, fuck, talking about it makes me. No, I'm getting misty. Yeah, <laughs> I was really, I was I was I, I was incredibly close with my grandfather to the Aww. point that um, our daughter, her middle name is after him. Um, and so anyway, um, so yeah, he got to be a part of it. And when the shuttle came back, all of the people on the team, because obviously they've got to replace the tiles between each trip because right. going back out is not a good idea to do that. And so they gave everybody on the team that was part of the design and the mission uh, tiles and he had his in his desk drawer to keep it safe and some fucking asshole stole it 
So <sighs> if anyone here listening uh, works for Lockheed, give me a give me a bell because I you know obviously yeah I can go on eBay and get one, but first of all you don't know if it's legit, and second of all, my my grandpa put blood, sweat, and tears into being a part of a team that he was incredibly proud of. So um, that being said, what I'm getting with joy is I'm getting a tattoo of the technical drawing, essentially of the design of the space shuttle Columbia, which my grandfather had a small part in making possible. And I will most likely cry while I'm getting it done. Oh, she'll totally cry. I'll cry. Not because it hurts, because I tattoo like a sweet butterfly. No, you um, do. You do. But we have other plans for that afternoon too. Can do. I can I tell them a teaser? Can I yes. let them? Okay. All right. So we're gonna tattoo her, and the tattoo shop that I work at is um, called Little Annie Motel Tattoo Parlor, and it is downtown in Los Angeles on South Hill Street, between Seventh and Eighth, which is just a short little empty coffee cups throw to the Cecil Hotel. No big deal. So your humble narrators were thinking about going on a little walkthrough of downtown LA and doing a little podcasting and maybe maybe do a little video, little video something. Maybe we'll like put some video up, start like a YouTube channel. I do have like, I'm having nightmare visions of us walking around downtown with a selfie stick. Just fine. All right, cool. All so, right. Yeah, all I mean, right. whatever. I mean, I don't have a selfie stick. I might just like duct tape my phone to a broom. We could do that. Whatever. Oh, it's we fine. could go like full MTV the challenge and just get a GoPro vest. So we can just oh. have to keep turning and talking to each other. So we I'll wear one like on my head. You titty, wear one on yes. your chest. A titty height, titty height point of view. It'll be. I wonderful. mean, I'm short, so I'm kind of just. If you put it on my head, I'm kind It'll of be, titty height to most people. Yes. Yeah. Bless. That's true. Bless. Anyway. Um, Joy and I <clears> got <throat> to see each other for the first time up close and personal in well over a year. We're vaccinated. We're vaxxed. We are. We're ready to drink. Not go anywhere. Yeah, not do anything. (laughs) But, you know, we got to see each other and our kids got to play. And I mean, they hadn't seen each other in over a year. And they were like, I don't think I've ever seen my son hug another human like that. He just like did not let go of her for so long. But like not in like a jokey, like playing, like he just held her yeah still and I'm gonna stop talking about it because I'm getting misty listen we have we're like five minutes in and we're crying already about shit and we haven't even started talking about the scary shit we're gonna tell everyone well listen Joy, I'm gonna tell you right now yes you're gonna fucking cry when you hear my story <clears throat> um you can make fun of my nightlights and shit all you want but let me know how well you sleep and whether you keep a light on after I tell you mine. Okay. And maybe I might just have to go do all the laundry again so I can stay up folding until 4 a.m. again, like I did last let me, night. Let me know which <laughs> datelines you watch. Okay. <laughs> all I'm them. so scared. Let me watch more terrifying stuff so I can not sleep some more. It's the procedural aspect of it. It's the fact yeah. that it's a there's a calming Keith Morrison mm-hmm. voice, mm-hmm. which I've said this before. I'll say it again if anything happens to me. 
I want Keith Morrison to do my Dateline episode. That's all I want. Make, no, everyone, Keith Morrison, please. That's all I want. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. I don't know. We were we were both inspired. Oh God, we didn't introduce the show yet. <laughs> oh, what are you two idiots blathering on about? Right. Oh, no shit. Okay. Well, that's Emily, and that's Joy, and, and this, is this is the, the residuals. residuals. Uh, today we don't have a guest today for the first time no. in a really long time. I know. <gasps> it hasn't been just a like we tell each other stories thing in a really long time. I know. And also we haven't done one of these since in the before times. Last time we did an episode like we're doing today, we were sitting at your old apartment talking about holy shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is that true? It is. I'm my God. Yeah. Yes. It was. Yeah. Because the last time we told stories, they were um, Ed and Lorraine Warren stories. They were not like just random historical ones. Exactly. Yeah. These are random, but I don't know if they are random because I think you and I were both inspired after our interview with Katrina digging and diving back into watching paranormal lockdown with her and nick groff and good god almighty it's so good i just went i finished season three and i've seen paranormal lockdown uk i'm gonna have to watch that again but i'm like sad i really like watching nick and katrina i like them together listen nick i want to give him a hug but when I give him a hug, I'm also just going to kind of whip out a little bottle of holy water from behind, <laughs> pour it down the back of his shirt and be like, sweetheart, envelop yourself in something to protect yourself. Protect no, yourself before just, you break yourself. He's always bringing shit. With some home. demon shit. I know. Even, but even on Ghost Adventures, he was. Same thing. I mean, they all had shit follow them home from stuff and... No, thank you. You know what he reminds me of? And this is going to be a Gen X throwback. Maybe oh. some Gen Z will get this. In I Know What You Did Last Summer, when it's raining and Jennifer Love Hewitt is out in the middle of the rain shouting, what are you waiting for? I'm right here. Come and get me. That to me is Nick. He is <laughs> he's Jennifer Love Hewitt shouting at the hook man the hook-handed person, Aww. but in this case, the hook-handed person happens to be a demon entity <laughs> in unhuman form. So he's, you just, know, he's like, I just, this is the worst room. I, I need to, I need to sleep in this room with the demons. <laughs> I, this is where I need to be. I think I hear some growling and I smell some sulfur. I'm just going to put them. up my sleeping bag. It's so good. It's so good. But I mean, like I, their chemistry uh, is good, but like, I have a bunch of screenshots from watching you do last three yes because like katrina waking up in the morning is just hilarious like she's all of us with her sleeping bag over her head groaning i know we could do a whole podcast on paranormal lockdown (laughs) what i want to know is actually where nick grew up because i could say he's from california all he wants but he grew up in like massachusetts or rhode island and i need to know which one oh i can hear it You can hear. I hear it in his voice. And I'm you like, what? where are you really from, Nick? Is that Nick, though? Or is that some of the undead that is just tagging along? 
No friend. It's Nick. Oh, okay. Trust um, me. So anyway, <clears throat> so um, do you yes. want me to start? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you know how I don't ever really prepare anything. No. This time I've written out several pages of notes. Um, so if you hear some shuffling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just me turning pages um, okay. because I still write things down on lined uh, paper with this thing called a pen. What? Uh, I know. I know. I just um, want to preface this with the fact that this might have to be a two-parter episode because Joy has how many pages? Eight. Right. Are they are they single spaced or double spaced? They are single. Right. Okay. So they're and this they're is just spaced. like this is not the discussion of it. This is just no. like yeah. And I have twelve pages in a, of a word document, so this might this might be a while. Did you double space yours and make it in fourteen font and fourteen? It is in fourteen font, <laughs> but that's because I'm blind. Um, oh. But yeah, sorry about um, that. It's, you know, it is what it is. I'm getting old, whatever. I'm very excited. It's true. Joycephine. Yes. Go for it. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to tell you all a little story about a building. It's wicked haunted at 44 Licking Pike in Wilder, Kentucky. I'm going to give you a list of the types of activity they've had there. Please do. Just the fact that it's on a street called Licking Pike is just. Yep. Mm. I even looked up like where that came from, of course, but like the, the, the jury's sort of it's out Nothing dirty. It. By the way, just a heads up to people listening. Mm. Neither of us know the story the other person is going to be doing. Yes, we did them independently. We did. So. Surprise. Licking that <clears> pike. <throat> okay. 44 Licking Pike, Wilder, Kentucky, uh, not too far from, from Cincinnati. So there have been reports of scratching, growling, touching, objects moving in front of people, objects being thrown at people, cold spots and hot spots, people seeing glowing green pentagrams on the floor. Full-bodied apparitions, shadow figures, disembodied voices, Class A EVPs, multiple murders have happened on the premises, satanic rituals have been documented, the use of a Ouija board being used in a blood ritual where someone cut themselves like on purpose while using the Ouija board and smeared their blood on it the fuck uh being pushed downstairs being drowned in a bathtub occult activity the jukebox playing by itself while unplugged and playing a song that wasn't even in it demonic oppression demonic possession exorcism having thoughts of killing people feeling sick feeling dizzy Spirits speaking through people, as in channeling. Employees quitting, but feeling compelled to return and thus staying at this place for years, even though they are terrified and hate it. Jesus. Uh, Spirits, demons, negative entities following employees, patrons, and visitors home. Ruining marriages. 
smell of graveyard roses, and the owner himself says he felt compelled to buy the property in 1978. Okay, I got a quick question. What's the difference between regular roses and graveyard roses? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, This place sounds like the the ikea of haunting it's got uh, everything yeah, it's possible right uh it's basically the original portal to hell and if you haven't guessed it already i'm talking about the world famous or infamous bobby mackey's music world <gasps> in wilder <gasps> kentucky oh okay. yeah yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'll let you uh, digest uh-huh, uh-huh. okay so it's not far from cincinnati ohio Uh, Bobby Mackey's Music World was opened as a nightclub and honky-tonk in 1978, so we are exactly the same age. Their motto is basically, come for the ghosts, stay for the music. Uh, Leave with the demon. They they forgot that bit. I will let you know, before I get into detail, once many moons ago, because I'm old, like I just said, uh, I was out in Cincinnati and a bunch of us went to Bobby Mackey's Music World. Really? Yes. And I was fucking petrified. And we got out and we walked across the parking lot and the motherfucking building was closed. (laughs) And I've never been so happy to not be able to get into a bar. How did it feel though, just being on the property? It didn't even matter. I was fucking terrified no matter what, because I had already known about it for years. Right. Um, so I was super relieved that it was closed and we ended up going to like a strip club, not too far away anyway. So it was a much better night instead of going to Bobby I was going to, I was going to say you went to Waffle House, which to me would be like, it's got a jukebox. It's No, fine. we went no. to like a strip club that was super tiny and like all the girls were covered in like fine, like stripper dust glitter. <gasps> and it was all like black lights, but it was totally a good time. I love that. Uh. Um, so yeah, I've been there, but not been inside. And, uh, after seeing so many shows on it and reading so much about it and especially putting everything in like one spot now doing this, I'm really happy that I have not been inside of there because I feel like Nick and I are similar with that sponge effect (laughs) and I don't need anything coming home with me. No, go. So Many rumors and legends surround Bobby Mackey's. Most often cited is the murder of Pearl Bryan in the late 1800s. The murder trial took place in Newport, Kentucky, which is like steps from Mackey's, like where the trial happened, like it's right over the line, like Newport and Wilder share a border. Um, So Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling were found guilty of Pearl Bryan's murder. And during the 1896 trial, Jackson and Walling exposed the site as an occultist ritual site. What? It's believed. (laughs) Yeah. They were just like, we're big Satanists. And um, we just killed her for this ritual thing we had going on. Um, They sacrificed her to the devil, decapitated her, and dumped her body near the Alexandria Turnpike, which is like two miles from the slaughterhouse that was on the property at the time so yeah there was a slaughterhouse wait there was a slaughterhouse on the property there was a slaughterhouse Hmm. when this murder happened amazing um 
One of the big rumors is that they threw her head down the well at the slaughterhouse so that her blood and everything like seeped out into the Licking River, which is also thought to be already kind of infused with magical energy, whatever you want to call it, because the Licking River flows north into the Ohio River. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. But. Quick question. Yes. Isn't there a well in the basement of the club? Of Bobby Mackey's? Is that yeah. the, the well? It is believed Or would it be that... connected to that well? Well, here's the thing. Over the years, it seems like stories from one place have kind of gotten mixed with another because later I'll talk about um, the Latin Quarter and the Primrose Club and those things were run by the mob um, in like the early 1900s and mid 1900s. Um, but they were at, I have it somewhere here. They were at like 10 lick, licking pike. So right up the road. Right. And I Google mapped it. You can see Bobby Mackey's from that address. Right. Like it's, it's close enough that they all could have been part of the same property at one time. Right. And we just wouldn't know where the original things were now. Mm. Um, the job. thing about Pearl Bryan's poor decapitated head, whether it got in the well or not, we don't actually know because no one ever found it. And both men refused to say where her head really was. They were hanged um, on March 21st, 1897. And apparently, Alonzo Walling threatened to come haunt the area as the noose was being put around his neck. Oh, fuck. And there have been EVPs and things that have been picked up that are that say, you know, I killed her and that kind of thing and, you know, sort of feed into this story. Right. Um, Records-wise, though... There's very little paper proof that this stuff happened the way the legend goes. Um, so the slaughterhouse was abandoned shortly after, eventually torn down, and a roadhouse was constructed. And that became a speakeasy in the 20s. Um, so they had booze and gambling and all that stuff going on in this area. I have a quick question for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, what exactly is a roadhouse? Because the only roadhouse I know is the one with Patrick Swayze. Um, it's funny because I kept meaning to look it up so I could actually define it for everyone. And uh, I didn't. So I'm going to look it up now so that I don't just guess. Because I think it's just like a bar. It's just like a kind of bar. And I on don't a, know if they road. have a roadhouse. Uh it's just a tavern, an inn, or a club on a country road. Well, that so that else is that then? So yeah, I mean, it was always drinking and gambling and fighting, and there's rumors of lots of murders that have occurred in the building during that time. Um, and it seemed fuzzy from the different accounts I was reading. Like some seem to say that the probable mob ties were for the Primrose Club and the Latin Quarter, which was at 10 Licking Pike down the street, and other ones sort of lumped Roadhouse and mob ties to 44 Licking Pike. But I just think it's the whole, I mean, you can really see it. Like, it's all, it's just like one area. So I don't know how much 
it really matters, especially since the building that's there now is not the original slaughterhouse anyway, that it had been torn down and abandoned, whatever. So it sat abandoned again after its incarnations until 1978 when Bobby Mackey bought it. And he said that he felt compelled to do so. Like it was something that he would drive by and feel like I have to go do this thing. Um, Incidentally, the railroad that runs behind it, and I believe it's like the, the turnpike is there and then the building and then the railroad and then the river. So there's just a lot of shit going by all the time. Um, The railroad that goes behind Bobby Mackey's also went through the person Bobby Mackey's hometown. (laughs) Which reminded me of, do you remember the Holzer files where they did the, um, the one that ended up centering around the railroad and the person who was like killing people along the railroad yeah the one that the hand would come out yes yes right yes that fucking terrifying thing no big it reminded me of that idea of like the railroad bringing that energy around with it well it Um, goes back to the episode we had sleeping soldiers where we had the the haunting the apparitions appearing on the baby cam mm -hmm. and right behind where the home was 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 Chandler, which is where the old railroad used to go. Los Angeles Railroad. Yeah. Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, lots of it's a it's a highway. But also the Licking River was referred to as a highway because Native Americans used it for hunting and going back. I mean, there I read so much about Bobby Mackey and so much about like white people history and all this stuff in the eighteen hundreds, blah 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 blah. It didn't even get into what could have been there before and there were several tribes in that area that used that land like that was their place so I don't know what was there to begin with but I know that that river is a lot of traffic and then that railroad and then that turnpike and you've got this building sitting there yeah also (laughs) moving water is a conduit Mm -hmm. like one of the things that um like going back again to talking about our interview with Katrina the demonic case that she discussed which was the episode I am it was it was called I am six because that's what it referred to itself as they went to the home with the with the young lady that was affected a few episodes later they go and they visit another home different state um but there is some fucked up demonic type stuff happening Mm -hmm. and what they pick on is I think it was Chip that was there he heard the same I am six and behind them they had a river and where did that river go (gasps) up to the other all the way up by the other place so yeah water is a conduit and I have something else to run by you about water oh yes do it um, it's, it's not related to this and I don't know it, I'll probably keep it somewhere in here. I don't know. Maybe I'll just leave it right here. Cause fucking fuck it. But when I've been rewatching all of these paranormal lockdowns and they did the one at the Monroe house, it was super fucked up and they found like the, the bones in the basement. Yes. And they kept finding water. Right. Do you remember there was like water, like almost like footprints and like yes. there was water all over. Yes. Okay. 
I had, wrote this thing down when I was like a crazy person. I was like, what? I had an idea. <laughs> when, like, how often do we hear it got really cold? It got really cold and I felt this thing and this thing happened or whatever. Is there some correlation getting, between it getting so cold and taking like the moisture out of the air and causing condensation on things? Like I started really like like nerding so, out about it for a second. It's funny you should say that because that is a big one of the things that happened in my case. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. But do. Oh my gosh. Oh, Look at yes. that unintentional segue teaser. Holy shit. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to ask Katrina about that too. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember her just looking at all this stuff going, why is there water everywhere? And it was on the kitchen cabinets in this house. And that's like all of the kitchen cabinets had opened. And mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, what if it's like, that's them touching it. And that's like causing the condensation because they had to draw energy and they're cold. And I just like had, I gave Look myself the fucking chills at the I moment. Know. And maybe a migraine. Your brain was like just going. <laughs> I just got really excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's but anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that didn't happen to Bobby Mackey. Back to Bobby Mackey's. Um, so some accounts say that uh, this other club that was there, that it was variety, um, like the Primrose Club, the Latin Quarter, there might have been others. Uh, the actual history isn't clear. But um, the Latin Quarter, from my research, was at 10 Licking Pike, like I said. So one story from the Latin Quarter tells us of a dancer named Johanna. And she was in love with a singer there. And she ended up pregnant. Uh, Apparently her father didn't like this too much. And he was furious when he found out. Legend says that he went and killed the boyfriend by hanging him in a dressing room. Oh, fuck. And when Johanna found out, she poisoned herself and killed herself. So there's this wild part of this legend, rumor, story that says the boyfriend's name, the one who was killed, was Robert Randall. When Bobby Mackey was born, apparently his mom named him Randall Mackey and then something came over her a day after he was born and she changed it to Robert Randall Mackey so he's born in 1948 and this was supposed to happen like 47 oh shit (laughs) very close it's really weird (laughs) um so Aside from just that one incident with, or one story about Johanna and Robert Randall, uh, the Primrose and the Latin Quarter were mob run. So I'm sure there was plenty of other horrible shit that went down that is not documented anywhere. I mean, I'm sure there were right other murders and things going on. Um, so Carl Lawson don't know if you remember his name. Um, Carl Lawson was the caretaker that lived upstairs in the apartment at Bobby Mackey's. 
And he said he was just constantly bombarded by paranormal activity. He claimed to be possessed. He claimed that he had uh, a demon tried to drown him in the bathtub of his apartment. Oh, good Lord. He started like sleeping with a shotgun. And it was like, is this for the ghosts? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that works how you think it's going to work. No. But he had an exorcism. Done. Oh, he did? He did. Uh, if you want to see the video of it, there is one of the Ghost Adventures episodes. I believe it's the 2010 from season three, episode four, maybe. I There's think. an actual video of this guy's exorcism. Yeah. And it's just him yelling, screaming, going, this body is mine. Jesus. Like something like that over and over again. Yeah. Um, so, and he's also interviewed by Ghost Adventures um, because they were there in 2000, 2008 um, and he was still alive then. So they sat down and talked to him about the whole thing too. I can't yeah. imagine how sad that must have been to have met this person, had a, a personal connection relationship mm -hmm. with them. And then to have to go back into, well, not have to, but then to go back into a place that essentially was their demise. That, but also on Portals to Hell, they do a Bobby Mackey's episode. So Katrina and Jack go, and there's a whole thing up in Carl's old apartment, and people leave him like offerings of cigarettes. So now it's like Carl, who was there, being attacked by entities is now a ghost that's haunting Bobby Mackey's like yeah that all sounds terrible let's let him go somewhere fucking else like Jesus Christ but this seems to go back to what other people say like the security guard that's been there this guy Matt that he's been there forever I think I'm I think he's still there now um he's will be like I quit I give you give Bobby Mackey's keys blah blah, blah shows up for the next shift like can't leave it so it seems like everybody whatever is, trapped, is happening living and dead, yeah, there's there's some sort of oppression there's some sort of pull that obsession that keeps them there many ghost hunters and patrons have reported negative entities following them home causing harm tricking them into believing they were child ghosts in need of help and even breaking up relationships uh, I just wrote, go watch the plethora of series and documentaries on Bobby <laughs> Mackey's. But here I have an absolutely unfinished list of them. All right. Oh, yeah. do it. <laughs> Ghost Adventures, season one, episode one, 2008, Bobby Mackey's, <laughs> Zach, Nick, Aaron. And this was like old school Ghost Adventures days where it was just like, fucking bring it. <laughs> like where they just provoke the shit out of things oh and... is this come at me you pussy ghost no he doesn't actually think that <laughs> sorry this has one of my all-time favorite exchanges between nick and zach nick just goes you want to do harm to us do harm to zach and zach just goes right here for you oh my <laughs> god one of my favorite things <laughs> um they also in true like cavalier 20 something year old form go down to the licking river and find what they believe is the drainage pipe 
and they walk the fuck all the way up it like in the dark just the three of them alone no (laughs) and they find the bottom of what looks like the well because you can see the top of it in bobby mackings which is something that carl apparently went and dug up like that wasn't just like unearthed and left that way like carl found that and like dug that the fuck up jesus there's so much crazy shit around this place um so season one episode one ghost adventures ghost adventures did a special on bobby mackey's where they brought fans to investigate in 2009 uh dave schrader from holzer files is in that episode uh ghost adventures like i said i think it's season three episode four 2010 um, they talked to Bishop James Long, who Katrina and Jack also talked to in Portals to Hell a few years later. Um, and Bishop James Long is just like, I'm 100%. This is demonic. I have absolutely no question in my mind. My advice to anyone who wants to go there is don't. <laughs> Paranormal lockdown. Um, Nick and our friend Katrina. Uh, did an episode there 2018 portals to hell katrina and jack did that in 2019 cindy Kaza, also from holzer files is the guest medium on that episode um but jerry springer in 1991 geraldo 1992 i wish you said it was if geraldo did it yes thank you for not disappointing me no <laughs> Uh, I was in an elevator with him once, much shorter than I expected. Haunted Lives, True Ghost Stories, 1995. National Geographic, Is It Real, 2006. Discovery Channel series, A Haunting, 2006. Travel Channel, Most Terrifying Places in America, 2009. Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters, 2011. And that's all I wrote down, but there are a fuck ton more. There's also a book written about Bobby Mackey's by Douglas Hensby so you can go pick that up and read all this crazy shit if you want to in like a more sensible thought out format than (laughs) I'm presenting right now (laughs) I don't know I'm following along perfectly good (laughs) I'm glad um so the portals to hell episode talks with Bobby Mackey's official ghost guide Laura because they have an official paranormal team. Uh, you can also find their official paranormal team at gatekeeperparanormal.com because they run ghost tours like four to five nights a week. And I'm, sh- I'm sure that really doesn't like bump up the activity at all. No, it's like, oh, we play music two nights a week. The rest of the week, we're just taking your money so you can see our ghosts and maybe have them come home with you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like having your back scratched? Here you go. You can leave I do, with some actual in like a scratches. masseuse way, right. not so much. We've got some demonic talons for you. Take that home. No, thank you. One of the guys that was there in the portals episode um, would not meet with Katrina at Bobby Mackey's. He was like, I won't go near that place. I almost didn't do the interview with you because I got too scared again. He said that he went on a couple of the investigations and made contact with a child. Uh, it's not a kid. No, not at all. The bishop was like, eh, wrong. Um, so he thought, he was like, oh my God. He was just like, it, 
it made him feel bad. Like he felt terrible that a child's spirit would be stuck at this place. So he got sucked in and it showed up at his house and things started happening to him. And like, there's a whole explanation of it that he, he gives the whole story to Katrina. Oh my God. Um, but his advice also, she was like, if there was one piece of advice that you would give us, what would it be? And he's like, don't go there. Right. That's my advice. <laughs> and that's the episode where she sleeps on the fucking dance floor. So, okay. <sighs> They're all way braver than me. Um, so regardless of fact or fiction, Bobby Mackey's music world has been feeding into this negativity for decades. Um, and some of the times like when Bobby Mackey's talking about it, because he maintains that he's a skeptic. He's like, I don't, I don't know how this could happen, but like the stuff that he says about being compelled to buy it. And like, you know, they said one time, like he wanted to expand and do some construction in the place. And when they broke ground and start doing it, like a crack ran from the parking lot into the building. And like, when they came out to assess it, they told him he was on a fucking fault line. Yeah. That's, that's like a direct line to it's Satan. It's all terrible. Like, like you're going to have he, Lil Nas X, like he's going to have a stripper pole installed and he's just going to be twirling down through the, the Bobby Mackey's parking lot to twerk on Satan's lap, which I would actually go and pay good money to see. Sorry, I carry on. Uh-huh. Uh, but since he, you know, continually maintains that he's a skeptic, even though his previous wife, because I, I've seen interviews with the his current wife, and it's not the same woman. Um, previous wife janet had so many things happen that she refused to go in anymore his daughter was the one that came in and was like this shit smells like graveyard roses i'm not hanging out here people in his family are like i'm not going to the place that you want to have your business and he's like well this is what i do (laughs) and he wrote a song called johanna that was like, did you not know about this? No. Yes. One of his like best known songs is Johanna about the dancer. And Ooh. he was like, man, we wrote it so fast. It took like 15 minutes for us to write this song. No. It's like, yeah. When, when the demons are moving your pen, sure. <laughs> oh God. So it's just very interesting that he continually puts himself in this skeptic position, but he does things that align more with someone who is obsessed with a place or possessed by a place i was gonna say it sounds more possessed right yeah um so people continue to go there they see apparitions people have garbage cans thrown across the room when they're in the bathroom (laughs) they have strange experiences everywhere and they continue to go and Bobby Mackey continues to run ghost tours and perpetuate all these legends, whether it's real or not. At this point, I don't think it matters because of all that negative energy. You're just constantly feeding this beast. If those people like Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling, if they didn't actually ever exist, they do now. <laughs> that's right. how I feel about it. Right. So that's Bobby Mackey's music world in Wilder, Kentucky. 
be sure to visit it if you're ever out that way. No. But and what I mean you. by that is stay the fuck away it's, from it. It's done. Done. Stay on the other side of the Ohio River in Cincinnati. Yeah. Just drive by. Toodaloo, motherfucker. No. <sighs> uh, okay. Joy, are you ready for this? I think I might actually have to go get another drink. Go get a drink. If you have a scary story of your own that when you listen to us, you think, oh, I should send my stuff in, email us at theresidualspodcast at gmail.com. We also have Instagram, the underscore residuals underscore podcast. And I think we have a Twitter too, don't we, Joy? We do. We definitely have a Twitter. It is at the residuals pod. Just that pod? Just that. Drop the cast for Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, should we get back to the show? Oh, heck yeah. All right. All right. It's not what? New York pizza. Does it taste like New York pizza? No. Or is it, it just called New York? Of course it doesn't not. taste like New York pizza. No mm-hmm. pizza out here tastes like New York pizza. I don't give a fuck. Mm-mm. The only place that I haven't tried that I was told to try when I was in the endocrinologist's office, of course. I ran in. I ran into Eric Estrada, who was what? talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? He was talking about the best pizza with somebody else. And I wasn't going to interrupt the man just because he was Eric Estrada. But my right. stupid ass interrupted him. Excuse me. Did you say New York pizza from across the waiting room? Mm-hmm. So he was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah place at such and such airport because they have the water flown in from New York. And Are I was like, kidding me. I can't make that hike, Eric, but thank you for the intel. What airport? I can't remember now. Not around here. Sacramento? I don't know. Somewhere not nearby. And I was like, you know, well, that's such shit a shit on a shingle. That's that's so unfair, Eric. He was it. very nice about it. No, no, he was very nice about it. But don't He's tell like, me. I always that... buy extra. Yeah. But don't tell me that there's great stuff in California and then be like, oh, it's in Sacramento. When we're sitting in Los Angeles with the right. doctor. Not cool. No. Chips. You know what? Let's get into my story, shall we? And All right. just whatever. All right. Well, let me turn off my heat pad because things are about to get hot enough. And me get comfortable. Because I'm, are you, are you ready? Are you wearing Depends? Scare me, bitch. I was inspired for my story after our interview with Katrina, our friend Katrina, we're friends with Katrina. Hi Katrina. We're friends, hi Katrina. Um, Katrina, I found out, I'm talking directly to Katrina now. I found out that there is a house right down the street from me that keeps chickens and they're all golden chickens and they're all named after the golden girls. And I just had to let you know on air with everyone else listening. Okay, go ahead, Emily. So. We asked her what was the most terrifying case that she's investigated. And she said, without a doubt, the black monk house in Pontefract. And so today I am doing the haunting of 30 East Drive in Pontefract, Yorkshire, Mm -hmm. which is the black monk haunting. Are you ready for this? I already feel badly. You should. You should I know. I'm go get some smelling salts. 
do it. Pontefract is in, in, incredibly old. It is actually, it doesn't show up in the Doomsday Book, but which was in the the 10 hundreds, but it's actually William the Conqueror came through um, uh, around uh, 1066, um, which is when he came in, you know, trying to stir shit, shit up. Um, and uh, and that it's it's written about there. And so the name itself is a derivative of Latin for broken bridge because the Saxons stopped him from crossing the bridge into York by breaking the bridge. And so oh. that is where the name comes from. See, history. Learn a little something when you listen to us. Around the 1300s, a um, bunch of monks moved in, built a monastery, a cloisters, whatever it is. Um, and so not, they were there. Cloisters or It's nuns? not a cloisters, that's nuns. I should... They monastery. Built, they built a monk house for monks to monk in <laughs> and farm. So it was a lot of Love. farmland. You, okay. you like this so far? So there was a, there's a lot of farmland, but there was a lot of fighting. There was, I mean, obviously history back home in the UK goes back forever, way more right. than like the 200 years that is taught in schools over here about America, even though the history here goes back again much longer but that's a different subject for a different podcast um anyway so you know lots of blood spilled um in this ground lots of violent battles um so yeah the the town became known for of all things licorice which to me is disgusting oh my god it is one of my favorite things Jesus, Joy. I once lost a filling eating licorice, and I literally just spat it out and continued eating my licorice. <laughs> it's so good, but go on. My opinion of you has just drastically changed, but I don't care. So it was also a mining town. So um, 30 East Drive Pontefract, it was part of a, a, a council house estate. So before the estate was built, it was actually um, a licorice field, like where they would grow the plants for, licor for licorice. Oh, my right? God. Um, but it was also close to where, um, allegedly, the town gallows were located. Go figure. So the home itself appears that was to, entertainment, right? So uh, the the home itself, uh, from what I've I found out, like I used a bunch of different resources for this. Mm -hmm. um, like I did big old scary deep dives, which you know me, you know I like doing my deep dives, but mm -hmm. I didn't do a glossary at the end, and I'm sorry, I failed. Anyway, um, so the the house was apparently built over where there was once a bridge called the Priest's Bridge, which crossed a small running stream. And that again brings into it, which you and I were talking about, which is the theme of running water being something that seems to be kind of prevalent in some of the cases. Um, you know, like with Bella, Bella Vendetta, with yeah. what happened to her, again, a running stream behind their property that had some really fucked up stuff happen so anyway it was a modest three-bedroom semi-detached council house that was built in the 1950s and to people who don't know what semi-detached is it is basically a duplex 
It's a two-story duplex. Semi-detached means one side of it isn't attached. It to shares another like house. one wall with yeah. a house that's sort of like mirror image, probably. On yeah, kind of. Isn't it like yeah. similar? Basically, I was going to ask what a council house is. Government housing. What's that? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Government. Government housing. Jean, Joe, Philip, and Diane Pritchard moved into number 30 East Drive, Pontefract in August of 1966. Philip was 15. Diane was 12. Um, shortly after they moved in, during the uh, hot uh, bank holiday break, Jean, Joe, and Diane went off uh, to Devon on holiday, very glamorous. And for some reason, Philip stayed behind and he was kept company by his grandmother. Um, okay. not really sure why he was left behind. Um, honestly, camping trips in Devon, they're really glam, but if you can get out of it when you're 15, I would. Um, and so his grandmother yeah. mm -hmm. that he stayed with is Sarah Scholes and she is, she's Jean's mother. So, the family had buggered off on holiday to Devon um, and leaving Philip at home. And so Sarah Scholes uh, was left in charge. So one day Philip is sitting out in the garden, hanging out, reading a book. And it was a lovely, hot, sunny day um, while inside the house, uh, Sarah, Miss, his grandma, uh, was hanging out on the sofa knitting when she suddenly noticed the room becoming colder than usual. At about 11.30 that morning, uh, Philip's grandmother reported a sudden gust of wind that she said rattled the windows and made the back door slam. So when Philip came into the house, he then reported that it was quite calm outside and he went into the kitchen to make some tea and coffee. Now, 10 minutes later, he entered into the living room and he was confronted by a fine gray white layer of chalk-like powder drifting oh. from the ceiling area, but it wasn't coming from the ceiling. It was coming from a level just below head height no. um, with the space above it up to the ceiling remaining clear. So at first they were like, oh, like, let's try and be logical. Maybe it's the house. It wasn't. They just had the entire house redecorated, wallpapered, painted. Maybe we're painted. just having a light fog in our living room. Yeah. And with, nowhere else. With chalk dust, no. Joy. No. Yes. So anyway, their first assumption is that it's somehow falling from the ceiling. However, it had very recently been papered. And at this point, the pair were more baffled than scared. And so this family was incredibly close with their extended family. They all lived really like within walking distance to each other. They were essentially neighbors on the either the same street or on surrounding streets. So um, Sarah Scholes, the grandma, went and got her daughter, uh, Jean's sister, Marie Kelly, who lived just across the road. So when Marie came and saw the white powder, she stared at it. Like, what the fuck is that? And then went just straight to the kitchen to get a, a cloth to clean it up. She promptly slipped in a pool of water oh. that had formed on the kitchen floor. She got her shit together. She started to mop up the water and then noticed yet another pool on the floor. No. And as she began to clean that one up, she noticed yet another before realizing that new pools were forming as fast as she could mop them up so thinking that the water was welling up from beneath the linoleum 
she's a smart kid. Like these, these Yorkshire women in this, they're all like very level-headed. They didn't immediately sure. go to where I would have done, which is really good. Fucking run. Right. Yeah. They're, they're more like you. They're more of the joy. Let's rule everything out. So she lifted up the linoleum thinking it might be something like a, a plumbing Seeping leak coming up. Under- right. I have a question. Yes. The, the mist was there. It wasn't like- mist, darling. It was dust. She had to clean, she went to get a cloth to clean it up because it was covering the surfaces. But it was like falling out of not the ceiling. Yeah. So like there was like a gap. There was like But I mean that sounds like that sounds like a portal. Well, I guess I mean you know, like and stuff falling through. Yeah. The only way that I could I could think about it was when you're flying and you're above the clouds and it's all like lovely peaceful yeah. wonderful you go through that cloud and it's pissing down with rain underneath it right right so that, yeah exactly but it hung out for a while for yeah. them to be like what the fuck is this yeah and then we take should their clean time this. and go yeah. get someone else exactly that's a long time right so marie lifts up the lino to check the subfloor it's perfectly dry <sighs> so by this point word is getting around within the family um and Joe Pritchard, who lives in the house, um, his sister, Enid Pritchard, she lives like in one of their neighboring homes. So she hears about what's happening. So she comes over to number 30 to see what the commotion was about. And again, being the practical type, she immediately went and turned off the water um, at, the, at the mains, right? Mark. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't make any difference. The pool's water not. still appeared. So then Enid decided to report the water leaks to the water board. Um who which is like you know dwp type thing back then and because it was uh because it was a council estate then you know they they you know they come out a little bit quicker than a plumber normally would sure so she decides to report the leaks to the water board who advised they would send someone as soon as possible so later that afternoon the guy Mm -hmm. from the water board appeared and by now the falling dust had stopped and had been cleaned up And after checking all the pipes, he rotted the drains um, and he surmised that the water might be condensation. And he went away to report the problem to his manager. And an hour later, the pools of water stopped. So later that evening, like around seven o'clock, it it says, grandma. They started packing the house. They did, right? They they left. No. (laughs) Grandma's grandma's watching the telly in the living room. When from the kitchen, Philip, 15-year-old Philip, shouted, Grandma, it's happening again. The countertop in the kitchen was covered with sugar and dry tea leaves. And as they yeah. So there was a tea dispenser above the sink that basically is one of those things where you push a button and it will just it'll dispense the stuff, right? Okay. So the countertop in the kitchen was was covered with sugar and dry tea leaves. And as they stared at the button on the tea dispenser, it went slowly in and out several times, covering the draining board in tea. And this carried on even when the dispensers were empty, prompting Mrs. Scholes, the grandma, to shout, stop it, because she's freaked out, right? Yeah. As she shouted, stop it, there came a loud crash from the hallway. They slowly opened the door leading to the hallway, half expecting to catch a burglar, only to find a silent, dark and empty until the whole light clicked on of its own accord. 
which obviously scared the shit out of them. Oh, God. They went to the foot of the stairs and saw what had made the noise. It was a plant that was usually at the foot of the stairs. Now, the plant now sat halfway up the stairs minus the pot, and the pot was at the top of the landing. What? So as if that wasn't enough to scare the bejesus out of them, suddenly another sound came from the kitchen and they went in there and they saw the cupboard. We call it crockery back home. Over here, mm-hmm. it's just like plates and all of your, your stuff. Uh, the doors on the cupboard were vibrating as if somebody was trapped inside and was trying to get out. Oh so as soon God. as Philip snatched open the doors, it stopped. And then almost immediately, the noises started banging somewhere else in the house. Mm. So uh, this was a noise that they'd heard earlier in the day, but they had actually assumed it was the next door neighbor who were, who were the mountains uh, doing some DIY. So grandma, Mrs. Scholes, now noticed again a sudden chill in the air and decided Mm. to fetch her daughter Marie again. And as soon as Marie stepped into the kitchen, she was also confronted by the shaking uh, crockery cupboard and the sound of the cups and plates inside rattling. So Mrs. Scholes, grandma, went next door to ask the mountains if they were responsible for the banging noises, if they were doing any home improvement. And Mrs. Mountain looked at her like the fuck are you talking about and she said we thought it was you oh so by the time grandma gets back to the house the noises have stopped they have a nice cup of tea waiting that marie had made because that's what we do we make a cup of tea and so marie grandma philip they sit they discuss the the unusual events until around 9 9 30 p.m And and it's all quiet. So Marie left, hoping it's all done for the night. Philip decides that it's probably a good idea to go to bed. Um, So he goes up to bed. I know. Listen, keep calm. Carry on, Joy. Keep calm. This is it was the 60s. So anyway, so he goes up, you know, Sarah Charles' granny. She figures, you know what? You're right. Good night's sleep is needed. She locks up switches off the downstairs lights, goes up to Philip's room to say goodnight. And as she did so, she noticed that Philip is staring behind his shoulder at his wardrobe, which houses up until only recently back home, we don't have in wardrobes like they do over here. You had to get like an armoire, like a freestanding yeah. Ikea, whatever wardrobe. So he's looking over her shoulder at his wardrobe and it is swaying back and forth as if a boat in rough seas. And at that what? point, the two of them finally noped the fuck out of there and stayed oh. at the Marie's house, Marie, right. her daughter's house for the rest of the night. Now, Marie's husband happened to know a bloke down the street. All I know is his last name is O'Donnell, bit of an amateur ghost hunter. So the next day comes over to check out the house and he tells them he thinks it's a poltergeist haunting. He sticks around, does some poking about, nothing really happens and he toddles off home. And as he the calls Doris, the ghost a pussy and leaves yeah, them goes, with it. It's like, come on, you pussy ghost. <laughs> nope, nothing. Okay, bye. I'm going to go have some PG tips. So he leaves. And as they close the door, they hear a loud bang behind him, turn around, go into the living room, and there are pictures face down on the floor, one of which is the wedding photo of Joe and Jean Pritchard, and it is sliced in half. You gotta be fucking kidding me. 
Oh no, this is just the beginning, Jai. Strap in, girlfriend. So now when um when when Mr. and Mrs. Pritchard return home with Diane, their daughter, from their holiday, the disturbances stopped. Immediately stopped. So they all had to like just conclude that that it there's got to be some logical and explanation um so they blamed it on philip poor philip and for the next two years nothing happened but maybe it was philip's fault he's the right age right but then without warning it all returns and it just so happens that this is when diane now is around 14 so as abruptly as it ended the poltergeist phenomena begins again this time it's plaguing the family for several years and it gets really bad, and they refuse to move. I say they, it's Jean. Jean, the mum, refuses to move. So the pools of water begin forming again all over the house. Furniture was moved or rattled on its own. Odd green foam would seep out of water taps and toilets. There were unidentified sickening odours that would waft through the home. Um... Anomalous noises such as labored breathing and the sound of barnyard animals. What? Loud, yeah, loud thuds and bangs would sound out from all over the house. Doors would slam open or shut by themselves and family portraits and furniture would be found demolished or slashed and disfigured with a knife. No oh big deal. God. So in an effort to take some of the fear and power away from this unseen force, Jean decides to call the entity Fred which in turn does the complete opposite of making light of it and calming it down and the intensity and frequency of the attack. Like, my name's up. Brad. Because I listen, your name. you and I both know this. The second that you give something unknown a name, it gives it power. <sighs> Don't give it a fucking name. Also, right. coincidentally, sidebar, Fred was my childhood nickname growing up. Um, we also both... Like like the other Fred, I also had some unpredictable uh, character traits as a child. Uh, but I was four and living in a terraced house in Bromley uh, in, in South London. And I wasn't trying to kill people in the coal hole, which is something that I will get to. Oh, the coal shortly. hole. The coal hole. <sighs> so unlike the Enfield haunting and the Battersea poltergeist cases, the family tried really hard to keep the story under wraps. And that's until uh, that's until September 1968 when the press get wind of the haunting and they renamed Fred Mr. Nobody. What? I think that upset him. His ego was delicate. So the activity came in cycles with times, uh, there were times when shit would happen on a daily basis and those were interspersed with long absences, sometimes for weeks at a time. Um, so in the face of the escalating malevolent activity, the Pritchard family reached out to the church for help. During an, the attempted exorcisms, crucifixes uh, were reportedly knocked out of hands or smashed to pieces. Inverted crosses were sometimes found painted or scrawled upon the walls in red and black ink, neither of oh. which were kept in the house. And, uh, and it would also destroy the crucifixes that decorated the Pritchard house. It was also reported that holy water would appear steeping out of the walls. Clergymen had their faces slapped and were pushed. So Marie's husband, who had a mate who just so happened to, you know, be into the spooky shit, um, uh, he decided to get in on it and and give it a go with 
doing his own exorcism with some holy water that he got from a local Catholic priest. And this resulted in loud bangs and water coming out of the walls and ceilings. So in one particularly frightening incident, an invisible force picked up a candlestick and held it in front of the priest's face who reportedly ran out of the house and never came back. Well, and, fuck. And no shit. <laughs> So that evening after the priest left, the temperature in the house suddenly dipped. And by this point, understandably, the family knows that when the temperature drops, shit's about to go yeah. down. But I don't, at this point, up to this point, I don't think, honestly, the family was ready for the stuff that was going to come next. Yeah. Um, you know, sidebar is with this being a mining town, when stuff would happen, it was it was normally attributed to subsidence. You know, there's these big mining tunnels, the the ground shifts, the houses yeah, start yeah, to yeah. sink, and you know, but that doesn't explain a brass candlestick winging its way across the living room. <sighs> so anyway, at this point, poor Diane, she became the primary target of the entity and would often wake up with scratches and bruises and to the sound of heavy breathing or unidentified voices in her ears. Um, and she was thrown out of bed. So uh, going back to the evening right. when when the priest had left and the, the temperature suddenly dropped and they were like, oh, shit, we're in for it. Yeah. Um, all of the lights in the house suddenly went off. And at this point, with this happening, they knew that what happened was whatever was in the house would 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 trip the main. Like we would like we would have here like trip the fuses, trip the fuse mm -hmm. box. And so the mains were located in a cupboard under the stairs. So Joe goes down. It's a normal thing now. He goes down to redo it. Diane's standing at the bottom of the stairs. They suddenly see something dark moving. And a big oak um, stand that had been in the hallway that had like some kind of a, a, a standing um, sewing machine with it. Oh, wow. Slid across the floor. Oh, my and God. Trapped Diane at the bottom of the stairs. And Joe and Jean desperately tried to get it off of her. And the more scared Diane was, the heavier it was, like it was not moving. And at that point, Diane realized that if she calmed down and she relaxed, then it would move. Mm. So they were able to move it off of her, right? So then that goes back to what you and I have always discussed about PK stuff with being mainly focused on hormonal changes and stuff. Yeah. However, and at I least- mean, Yeah. Look, it, if you want to go the other route and say that it is an external entity, uh, if they don't have anything to feed on, right? Then maybe that's it. I mean, it when her when she way. drops her fear, exactly. So, Colin going, Robinson, <laughs> Colin Robinson, going <laughs> off of that point, that exactly. So, on at least one occasion, she was actively choked and slapped around by an unseen oh force in God. full view of witnesses. Her hair was sometimes seen to stand up as if someone were pulling and yanking on it. Um, and then one of the worst ones was she was forcefully dragged up the stairs screaming by an invisible hand that left laceration and bruises in the shape of a hand on her neck. Oh uh, Diane would be pushed, have her hair pulled, 
Um, several occasions she was dragged across her room. The entity would also lash out at others and there were reports of b- people being held down, pushed, slapped or punched even if they were just visiting. Whoa. So now do you remember Marie and her yes. husband who decided to do a low-rent exorcism? His sister Renee was known to have the touch she was a bit of a psychic, did tarot cards, read tea leaves, blah, blah, blah. So with her background, you know that she's like fucking down there with a the quickness. She's like, what, haunting? I'll be right there. Um, anyway, so um, she comes to the home lots of times to help figure out what the fuck is going on and comes to the conclusion that the kids, Philip and Diane, are the source of energy for the entity haunting the Pritchard home. <laughs> Renee suggests that the family communicate with the ghost to see what it needs. So when the Pritchards finally hold a seance in the fucking tiny hallway, the response isn't exactly what they'd been anticipating. A shitload of stuff comes hurtling down the stairs at them, including shoes, towels, sheets, and a mattress. So uh, after that, the family abandoned any further notion of making contact. Way to go, Renee. (sighs) (sighs) Not to be dissuaded. Joe's mm-hmm. other sister, Maud, rocks up to 30 East Drive to give the family a piece of her mind about all this bullshit and what her eyes is tomfoolery. She doesn't believe any of this. She thinks it's just a bunch of cod's wallop. So she's in the living room telling them, you know, all oh, what idiots they're making themselves look. And while she's doing this, in the kitchen, the refrigerator door opens, a jug of milk floats out. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. This is That's like... So- this is some Matilda level shit. Like, this is this is Matilda. Like Ghostbusters. Yeah. So it's okay. So a jug of milk comes out of the fridge, floats across the hall, into the living room, stops above Maud's head, and dumps the entire contents on her. Now you're this a is, wizard, Ari. Yeah. So this is where like it goes like like it goes full Harry Potter Matilda bunkers stuff right now so it turns out that you know um aghast is what has transpired church going maud gets up to leave the house making sure to give the unseen inhabitant a piece of her mind before breaking into a rousing rendition of onward christian soldiers i love it uh yeah being you know being a god-fearing church woman uh maud also brought her gloves with her to the home because that's you know the proper etiquette but she can't find them in her haste to leave um, and suddenly they see that not only are her gloves not in her handbag, they are floating in the air as if worn by an unseen person and they are conducting along with her rousing rendition stop it, stop of, it right of the Church of England classic hymn. I will not stop. I will not stop. This was, I would love to say I'm making this up. This was seen by multiple people. Yeah. What? Which, like, I mean, this is one of the instances where the family were like, lol, Fred fist bump um but i'm gonna say that's probably the only one so one of the more terrifying occurrences uh was the grandfather clock which you know we you see this there's a there's an episode in season one of uh paranormal lockdown with um katrina and nick so there's a grandfather clock that is still to this day um situated on the first floor landing at the pritchard home uh it was thrown down the stairs towards Jean, the mum. Since then, the clock hasn't worked, yet many people who go to the house to investigate have experiences with it ticking or chiming while filming Paranormal Lockdown in the house. Um, 
they, after an incident downstairs, they heard a noise in the attic, went up to investigate, and there is a banister at the top of where the landing is. Um, that is a few steps up from that first landing bit where the where the clock is located. Nick uses that um, to to stand on uh, as a footing to look into the attic, and you hear mm-hmm. a loud crash. And the clock is pushed over by no one who's standing there right into where his foot is mm-hmm. on that landing banister. So, you know, it's still happening. It happened on camera. Oh. So anyway, um, loud, inexplicable crashing sounds were coming in the house, especially in the presence of outside company. Objects went flying around the air, crashing or dematerializing and then reappearing in different locations but at this point it's clear that the house is no longer the Pritchard's house it belongs to whatever or whoever Fred is so this brings us to the coal hole I can't believe all this happened like in a space of a few yeah this 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 all happened in the space of a few years so like many miners at the time, in addition to wages, Joe Pritchard was also paid partially in coal. So they had a coal storage closet that they would get it in. And something happened to him that he refused to ever talk about. He went into the coal um, hole to get coal. coal. <laughs> <laughs> and the door locked behind him. And it's not a locking door, but the door locked behind him. Um, and when he came out of it, he came out a changed man. Rumors are that he was subjected to a brutal assault by whatever was inhabiting their house. And he immediately wanted to move. But Jean, who was a very proud woman, refused to let an unseen presence run them out of their home. Oh. So now on the episode of Paranormal Lockdown... Nick goes in there, and while he's in there, not only does he get a long scratch on himself, he also hears a growl, and while he's in there and he's talking to the camera, the door behind him opens by itself very slowly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then after he comes out, Katrina goes in to check it out, and within moments, she scratched badly above the hip with two visible, yeah. visible claw marks. So this has been, at this point, it's been going on for two years. So late into the haunting, it began to make itself known and visible as a full apparition. And it first appeared to Joe and Jean, who woke in the middle of the night to see a black, cloaked, dark shape standing at the foot of their bed, staring at them. Um, and the figure soon dissipate, uh, dissipated. On another occasion, Joe claimed to have woken up one night to see the figure in flowing black robes hovering over his bed. On other subsequent occasions, other members of the family, as well as visitors, claimed to see a figure that looked like a monk, but could reportedly never glimpse a face under the robes. The apparition was often described this way as dressed in black robes with a hood covering his face, not unlike that of a medieval monk might wear which would then earn it the nickname as the black monk philip the the 15 who was then 17 year old also saw it um he just walked around the corner into the kitchen one day it was standing there and it slowly sank into the kitchen floor and out of sight now this motherfucker has really got its game down right 
So I remember at the beginning of this, when this all first started happening, the first day it was happening, um, Sarah, Jean's mum, went next door to talk to the Mountain family, see if they were doing anything. Um, during this time, towards when, when it started making itself seen, one morning Mrs. Mountain was at her kitchen sink when she felt someone standing behind her and she'd heard no one come in and assumed it was her nephew who'd snuck in to make her jump. She said something like, I'll give over, turned around, and she found herself looking at a tall figure dressed in a black monk's habit with a cowl over its head. The position prevented her from seeing its face, um, and she said it looked quite solid, and that oddly enough, she felt no fear, only curiosity, and then poof, it vanished. The family, neighbors, and locals would even claim to have spotted the apparition prowling the property and that it would even change things up occasionally by appearing to be wearing women's fur gloves. Maybe they were mauds. I was going to say, maybe gloves. Who knows? Um, So the Pritchards called in some paranormal investigators who found some interesting things when looking into the history of the land that the house sat on. One of them was an investigator and author called uh, Tom... Cuniff, I think it is, C-U-N-I-F-F, and he found that the area had once been the site of a battle and had also been used, like I said earlier, as the town gallows where hundreds of people had been executed. In particular, there was supposedly a Cluniac monk who had met his end by hanging there after being found guilty of raping and killing a young girl around Diane's age back in the 16th century, and mm-hmm. Cuniff believed that this was the spirit that was haunting the home, and ever since that presence had been known has been known as the black monk of pontefract um however not long after the physical manifestations of the monk began to appear the haunting abruptly ceased never to occur again so years later joe comes home from the pub a bit worse for wear because he liked to drink and i don't fucking blame him at this point comes home stumbles into the upstairs bathroom throws up and promptly kills over and dies from a heart attack. In the episode of Paranormal Lockdown, when they're mm-hmm. there and they're upstairs, mm-hmm. when they first get to the house, Nick mentions that he keeps being drawn to an upstairs window. That upstairs window is the bathroom. When they're up there talking, suddenly Katrina, her face kind of changes and she stops him and she says, listen, I just need to tell you something. I just saw Nick's reflection in the mirror and it wasn't Nick. Mm-hmm. And the person that she described, the person giving them the tour, confirmed that that was, she's describing Joe. Yeah. So that uh... happened. So going into the their experience on paranormal lockdown. Um, but wait, it just stopped? It just stopped. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to get into that because it's, Okay. Are it I'm, stopped it, while they were still so, living there? It stopped while they were still living there. So in 2012, Renee, who read the tea leaves, her son, uh, Pat Holden, wrote and directed a movie based on the haunting of his extended family. It's called When the Lights Went Out. And when speaking about his mother's experience with the house, he said that Renee was frequently in the thick of the paranormal action. She was a psychic. He said she read palms. And when she was interested in spiritualism and and anything weird, 
she went there as much as she could to provide my auntie with some support, but also because she was really fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. Now, parts of the movie were actually filmed at the house and some of the crew had paranormal experiences. Why would you do that? Well, I'm looking, I don't know, as you do. Uh... So, uh, Jean had, had prior to this decided to finally move out of the house. Kids were grown, gone. Joe was dead. She finally was like, yeah, I'm just done. I'm, Guess I'll peace leave. Peace out. Yeah, finally. All right, fine. So the producer of the movie, a guy by the name of Bill Bungay, he decided to, to buy the property uh, from Jean and Joe's son, Philip, because Philip was selling it for a steal. Um, even though Bill had produced this terrifying film uh, based on the house, he asserted that he didn't really believe and called it Codswallop. Um, that is until he started experiencing things himself. Um, so I gotta, I gotta tell you this thing, current next door neighbor, Carol Fieldhouse, who you meet in the paranormal lockdown, she said that, uh, everything was really chill and quiet. And then it started to take a sinister turn shortly after the film was released. She didn't know that the former owner, Philip Pritchard had just sold the long empty property to the film's, film's producer, Bill. And in a newspaper interview, Carol said that she'd seen Philip tidying up the front garden when she went out and asked him if he'd sold it to any of his nephews because she thought it must be one of them because she heard the TV blasting really loudly all night. And he said, no, there's no TV in there. It's empty. And then he turned pale and said, God, it started again. And she hasn't seen him since. Oh, fuck. Right. So anyway, um, since buying the house, Bill Bungard has decided to open it up to people willing to pay money to spend the night uh, in a home that contains what is widely believed to be the most violent poltergeist in Europe. Um, no. However, Ouija boards and exorcisms are banned from the property. Now, going back to when Nick <laughs> and You're not Katrina monitoring anyone. Nah, he's like, here, here you go. Here's the keys. It's in a lockbox. It's here's the code. Anyway, oh no, poor Carol. I forgot, poor Carol has the keys to the padlock on the front door. God, poor Carol. I hope he's at least paying her. Anyway, so while filming for Paranormal Lockdown, Nick and Katrina uh, were woken by slamming or banging noises in the house and would the next day try to reach out to the entity known to the family as Fred. One of them being they were in one of the rooms, I think it was Philip's room, and they asked it to move a ball and the ball began rolling across the floor of its own volition. Yeah, and at this oh. point, it, it seemed like what was in the house was rather a playful. Um, but then things started to get knocked off stands. Um, things were thrown across the room or broken. Um, when Nick reached out to ask the spirit if it needed a lot of energy to move things, they captured an EVP recording saying desperata, which means hopeless in Latin. Yeah. Um, after Lovely. this, yeah. Whenever they pick Latin. That's when you know. That's when you know. I took Latin in secondary school. I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't. I don't talk in it. <laughs> Only evil things do anyway 
So after this, whenever they asked the entity something else, it would remain silent, but the room temperature would drop dramatically. Later on during their 100-hour stay, they captured on film a solid figure moving past the glass panes of the living room doors down the hallway. Yeah, that footage is amazing. It's fucking nuts. Nighttime noises began to happen with increased amplification. A knife was inexplicably left on the stairs. The crew began to complain of being pushed or shoved by something unseen which actually i seem to recall it happened when they first walked in the house and they were upstairs in the bathroom and it was right before katrina said that she saw bill in the mirror nick said something just pushed me and they were like oh yeah no i kind of saw you like i saw something push your jacket so there we go that happened anyway so the common types of activity now reported by visitors at the house include foul smells disembodied voices scratches and other physical attacks unexplained light animality lights lights abnormalities no anomalies anomalies light light anomalies but i'm just gonna say floating lights um nausea and a shadowy figure but fred's favorite party trick is to uh move marbles about so the entity will reportedly oh, right. they got yeah. like hit by a marble when they yep. were there. There's like no fucking marbles around. Exactly. There. So he the entity will reportedly drop them, throw them, and they will sometimes just appear to drop through the ceiling or appear out of thin air. And some visitors have even claimed to have had marbles appear in their home and other what locations. Is this fucking weird wormhole. I know. What so is it? It will also reportedly often steal unattended keys. This being one of the things that happened in the house where um, Jean was cleaning the the fireplace. She heard a noise and looked up and a big thing of keys came flying down and hit her in the face. And it was a missing set of keys. So thanks, Fred. Anyway, um, so it will still unattended keys and on one occasion the house keys uh someone's lost house keys were found inside a vacuum cleaner which didn't work and wasn't used it was something that bill had put there for like effect to make the house look like it was from the 60s oh um and reportedly the paranormal activity is not just limited to 30 east drive neighbors also report the shadowy figure in their gardens and have claimed to have experienced mild activity in their homes thanks oh. bill Burn it's also down. Yeah, um, it's also claimed that on one occasion the bed in Diane's old room was destroyed and the room trashed at around 4am on a night when the house was unoccupied and the kitchen has also been found in a state of disarray on occasion. Other researchers have claimed to have had similarly bizarre experiences on the property and captured numerous instances of a voice on tape and quite a few pieces of photographic evidence. Investigators have also expressed shock at the sheer magnitude of sinister paranormal activity at the residence with some even claiming that they actually feared for their lives while there so here's my take Mm -hmm. the presence haunting this home has since ever since all of this started it's been referred to as the black monk inferring that whatever there is indeed the spirit of this executed friar but we've all seen what happens when an urban legend gets out of control oh sure sometimes the truth is staring us right in the face and to see it for what it truly is we have to ignore the fluff and focus on the facts whatever is plaguing number 30 east drive is neither pk nor human because there are darker things than poltergeists 
there are darker things than ghosts and there are things smart enough to latch onto a story and show you what it wants you to see and mm-hmm. not the sheer evil that it truly is. And this is the story of one such situation. Oh. Boom. Ended. That's it's it's horrendous. It's um. a bit scary. <laughs> It's horrendous. And all of that but happened I, over a few short years. And even after that, and after Joe died, she stayed. It's like, and it's like what you were talking about with 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 Mackie's. It's like, why did she stay? Just, and it was an tormented. Like she was tormented there. It was stressful. She didn't stay there because she loved it. She felt she couldn't leave. So bizarre. I feel like there's more than one thing going on. Yes. I think it has a lot to do with a lot of things, but they've all manifested into one thing. We talked, you talked about mining. Mm -hmm. Um, What are they mining? How much is it changing the composition of the land? Yorkshire is coal country. But like, is it on ley lines? Is it on fault lines? Mm -hmm. Was there already something there and removal of the coal is changing the way it's interacting with the environment? The like dust falling out of nowhere, the keys falling out of nowhere, that just sounds like weird portal wormhole stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's also something that seems to be intelligent and malevolent, um, which may also be the super negative thing or all of the other shit that has surrounded it has become its own thing right like there's so much that's going on there um the pk thing i mean what if it was something that was like originally just weird pk stuff and it became its own entity that's so yes my uneducated unqualified thoughts we're on just this brainstorming as i went just, through it you know. yeah yeah so as i went through this what it felt to me as it started as pk with philip as a 15 year old because then it stopped and then diane turns 14 and it starts up again and it starts up as pk stuff but, but then how old was Jean during this time too Oh, good point. I never also, even also yeah, right? But, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And I like, don't know how old she was. Phillips. The first big thing that happens is when Phillips separated from the rest of his family. Right. So, the thing is, is that I f- I feel that it's when they give it a name. Yeah. And that's when other things start to come into play because that's when it seems to be getting violent. Well, because, what if part yeah. of it was Jean? Like, what if it was partially a PK situation with Jean? And when she, like, maybe things were happening that she was kind of happy about because she was pissed off at people in her family, but the PK manifestation was actually doing stuff to them. And then when she gave it a name, because she's the one that did, right? Yeah. What if that released her from any guilt or responsibility so it could just do what it wanted? Yeah. 
I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think this is something that started out as as something explainable as PK mm-hmm. that you, that we've seen in other cases um, that we've discussed, but what it's ended up, what it evolved into is something that is not PK and something that is inhuman. And it is something that has taken on the appearance of what the urban legend is and what it has been given the name and the title of and like roams the neighborhood yeah like fuck that that's not fair nah (laughs) no nah i'm not going that place no 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 but yeah so uh the side of the pond so that is the story of uh, 30 East Drive Pontefract, otherwise known as the Black Monk House. Well done. Well done. Yes. We're almost done with this season. I know. Joy, it's been a long time since it's just been you and me. I know. That so was kind nice. of fun. I know. Aww. And we got one more episode left now. We have this one season. episode left in this season, and then we are taking a well-deserved break because we have done a season and a half of this podcast out of two seasons. Right. <laughs> All remotely. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, if things continue on the trend they are now, we should be able to do season three in do you want to do quick gratitude oh yeah okay you go first i'm grateful that i got to go see you in your new house and that our kids got to give each other a really long extended hug and that i got to give both you and him uh uncomfortably long hugs too (laughs) Uh, I am grateful for the same, and I will add to that. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if I brought this up. I must have brought this up. Um, my cat passed away a few months ago, and uh, Emily was nice enough to bring me a portrait done of her by our friend Carrie Hansen, who does beautiful portraits. Um, so now I have a lovely portrait of chicken and then also a smaller portrait of chicken with her head in a Doritos bag because that was her jam. As it should be. <laughs> chicken, and it's sitting, yeah. It's sitting right um, behind her urn now in the living room. So it's nice to see her. So thank you. I am grateful for that. So thank you for being such a nice friend. Chicken was our unofficial third host. <laughs> so I know she's... She's magic. She's still magic. So there were episodes that I cut after she died that had little meows of hers in the background. Oh, honey. (laughs) That was very cute. It's nice because I was like, oh, maybe I'll just save this. I'll save this. Do it. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Chicken. Um, Well, stupid cat so much. I know, darling. (sighs) 17 years she was 17 fucking years old she was a tough broad man i brought her though when we moved to this house i grabbed her urn and i was like all right come on 
Fatso, let's go. You can't stay here. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Cannot stay living here. Obviously. (laughs) Babes. Oh. Well, I love you very much. And I'm very excited that I get to see you in person very soon to get artwork put on my body permanently by you. I'm so excited. We're I'm gonna like record some of it so we can show people. Okay. If they want to see. Okay, they'll get to see my bingo wing vibrating at a, at a high speed. Um, I'll do it slow mo so you can really see. Oh, great! The undulation, my favorite. Of the tattoo needle. Can't undulation fucking wait for is that. Such a good word. It's wonderful. It is. All right, I love you, Joy. I love you, Emily. We love you, listeners. We do. And we would be nothing without you. We would. And, you know, we appreciate, God, we've got, uh, we got a few, we got, we got new people that are tuning in and hi, welcome. Welcome. We're very happy to have you here. Thank you for putting up with, um, you know, like Joy said, the, for a season and a half of two seasons, we've been doing this remotely and we have no idea what we're doing. We've been figuring it out as we go along. And so there are sometimes technical snafus that, you know, like you said, we're just trying to figure it out, but thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for listening each, each time we have a new episode coming out and thank you for supporting us and writing to us and uh, tell your mates, go and give us a nice review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to because it feels really nice to see that. Um, But yeah, uh, until next time, um, don't be an asshole. Be kind. Mm -hmm. Um, Wash your hands. um, Sage your sofa. And uh, don't be afraid of the dark. But I will. Especially tonight, Joy. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. I will not stop. I will not stop.